Welcome to the Weird But Wonderful podcast. This is last week's episode. If you'd like to get today's episode, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash one weird podcast and get episodes a week early by supporting the show. Either way, enjoy the episode. I'll talk to you next time. Peace. Nineteenth of April, two thousand and twenty, Sunday, four forty-six PM. It's your weekly dose of weirdness with me. You're sometimes useful, but only in very, very specific circumstances. Host James Carlin. You and I are here together, taking a journey into the minds of strange people doing strange things. We're trying to understand people, what makes them tick, get inside the head of people, figure out why they're making the decisions that they're making. And we do that with psychology journals, peer-reviewed studies, and ridiculous news stories. The most scientific resource, weird news stories. Uh, and this week we're taking a trip across the across the pond to jolly old Pip Pip England. And again, I you know I know this is this is a corona-free zone, but um, since the UK has been placed on coronavirus lockdown, and so since you know we all have we're we're all in lockdown at the moment. Um, We've all probably experienced some uh, purchase urges. I know, I know personally. In my case, you know, my online shopping has fucking skyrocketed. Actually, <laughs> it's getting to the point where because it's like, okay, I want to, I want. Uh, it's called a PSA one by road. It's a boom arm. Everywhere is sold out. Uh, so couldn't get that. So now you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to a place now where I'm buying things that like, you know, where I'm questioning, did I need that? Did I need a pop socket for my phone? No and yes. Did I buy one? Yes. Um, you know, am I buying more books when I still haven't read the ones that are on my shelf? Yes. Yes, I'm doing that. <laughs> but, you know, do I feel good about it? Yes. He said confidently. So confidently. Uh, there is a book I am waiting to come, which is like a graphic novel. I haven't bought a graphic novel in forever. Uh, Headlopper. Don't know if anyone's familiar with Headlopper. If you are, at me. Let's chat about it. I've also been looking for... Oh, God. This is a bad time to be searching it. But I'm going to do it anyway. Jack Teagle has a book... I don't, I, yeah, I don't even know if it was a Jack Teagle thing at this point. I've spent, through the power of editing, you have only had to wait seconds, and I have been here for fucking, like, six and a half minutes trying to find what the name of this graphic novel was that got turned into an animated series. Uh, first, I thought it was a Jack Teagle thing. Now I'm second-guessing whether it was a Jack Teagle thing at all. Um, then I thought maybe it was a titmouse thing and I don't think it is a titmouse thing. I can't remember. I can't remember at all. When I'm editing this, I'm going to absolutely remember what it is. Anyway, I forget what even the point about that was. I was looking for it for some time and it was out of print and I couldn't find it. Not even worth it. Not even worth it. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, I've been buying stuff. <laughs> Jesus. Fuck. Got a new keyboard. It's nice, you know. Anyway, I say all of that to say, you know, the primeval urge to buy is uh, probably hitting us all right now, you know, with the inability to, to go out, you know, you just, you get bored and then you browse and then you like end up buying stuff, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. So 
I say that to finally get to the point that this collective urge might have caused the pandemonium in the shops, apparently. Uh, I can report that I'm not a panic buyer. I didn't uh, panic buy. I'm not one of those people. Sam and I still very much doing the, like, one-a-week weekly shop, you know, getting the essentials, as I assume most people are doing. But um, it says here, it pales in comparison to what England's 300,000 frequent heroin and crack users will be feeling right now. That's right. You've got an urge to buy. Motherfucker, did you even think about the heroin and crack addicts? Did you even, did you consider them for a second? Shame on you. Shame on you for not even considering how much the heroin and crack addicts want to buy their heroin and crack right now. Jeez, they've got the urge to buy, just as we do, plus thrown on top, a heroin and crack addiction. <laughs> um, their desire to buy and buy again is what drives Britain's £5 billion heroin and crack market, which accounts for over half of the entire illegal drug market in the UK. That's only, oh, sorry, it's half. Okay, yeah, that's still a lot. So the $10 billion illegal drug market with a 10 billion pound euro um sorry again for the australian audiences let's go ahead and throw this into in aud 9.8 million which means their drug market's like 20 million 20 billion 20 billion sorry so 9.8 billion dollars is uh australian dollars is what the heroin and crack market is worth but if you can't leave the house unless it's for exercise, food, or essential work, how are the heroin and crack addicts and the and the you know even the other drug addicts, but particularly the heroin and crack addicts, how are they still buying their GD drugs? And it's taken the business ingenuity and the craftiness of dealers all around the world, but specifically in the UK. You know, everyone, a lot of people have had to adapt their uh, business in, in these times. And the drug dealers are doing it too. And you know what? Hats off to them. Can I say that? <laughs> Can you say that? Can you commend drug dealers? We shouldn't. We just shouldn't. We shouldn't. Hey, and we don't. Yuck. Yuck that you've done that. Still crafty, but yuck. Um, uh, how are those whose job it is to keep the drug trade ticking over in urban centers and rural towns and managing it? How are they doing it? Well, last week, West Midlands police reported a big fall in violence and robbery throughout March this year compared to March 2019. When asked for their figures on drug crime, they said there were 509 drug-related offences last March and only 381 this year. But is the drug business really in retreat or do police just have more pressing things to do like stopping people from sunbathing? Fucking roasted! Get roasted by this Vice article out here. A link to this article will be in the show notes. Um, <laughs> but according to drug market observers, if you're observing the drug market, maybe you day trade on the drug market. Uh, I know David and I day trade on the guitar market. So maybe you've been watching the drug market. Maybe you haven't been watching it lately. But the people who are watching the drug market, including police, drug workers, and drug users... The virus and its subsequent lockdown have already begun reshaping the way dealers go about their business, and it certainly hasn't stopped them. Because again, like I said, they're crafty. They're so crafty. 
a well-placed police source with access to the national picture involving feedback from all 46 police forces said the crack and heroin business remains highly functional but slightly altered across the UK. He said several police forces reported that dealers are dressing up in supermarket and parcel delivery worker uniforms in order to camouflage themselves as they make drop-offs on street corners and in people's homes. How much can a single podcast praise the craftiness and ingenuity of drug dealers before it becomes an issue? I'd say once, but then it would look bad for me. Uh, Actually, a friend of mine... I'm not going to name names. His name's Matt. Uh, he always said that if he was a drug dealer or became a drug dealer, his whole, you know, ingenious thing that he'd do would be to uh, dress up in a in a business suit, you know, like slicked back hair, get the whole, you know, white collar worker, professional look going on, full suit, briefcase. And that's how he would like, you know, because you know, his, his whole, his genius thing was, no one's going to stop like a businessman just walking around. Contextually, that's not true now that I think about it for half a second. Because, I mean, not, I don't know how many drug deals go down in, you know, the central business district. Maybe a lot, probably. Probably a lot. But I'm just thinking, like, if you're in, if you're in like, suburban areas or maybe more, like, dodgy areas, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Oh, yeah, there's the drug dealer. He's the guy, you know, when you, you know, now when you see, I've talked about them before, like I've seen the, the like two or three dudes occasionally out the front of my apartment building and they, 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 dog, you dress like a drug dealer. Everyone knows you're a drug dealer, dude. You, you have a rat's tail, but a $2,800 Gucci sweater, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like a $1,500 Gucci bum bag with a rat's tail, you know? Just fully laced out, dripped up, shredded and leaded. It's a new new one that kids are saying. I'm on TikTok. Um, You can just tell, you know. It's like it's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon. uh, You have a rat's tail and you're wearing a $2,800 jumper. And you have six phones. We know what you're doing. It's, It's so obvious to everyone. So I figure with the whole, the business thing, depends where you are. If you're in suburban areas, you're probably going to stick out. If you're in the CBD, blending in. Uh, Other drug market observers. Oh, the whole range of drug market observers. I didn't know. Is this like a job? And what do you do? Oh, uh, I'm an accountant, actually, at uh, the Heritage Bank. Is that, is that where someone would be an accountant? Ah, yes. Nice. I personally don't bank with them. I find their online banking system quite cumbersome. Yes, it does need work. <laughs> and what do you do? Oh, I'm a drug market observer. And what does that do? A lot of observing, watching, peering. Lots of peering. Lots of keeping tabs on things. Lots of irons, lots of fires. <laughs> um, other drug market observers have said that dealers are going undercover as runners and fitness fanatics in order to shift bags of crack and heroin around the community. As much as you don't want 
to we don't like them but you have to admit that it's it's crafty it's got pizzazz and there's a lot of ingenuity behind it one uh drunk one drug world expert in liverpool how again how do you get that title one drug world expert in Liverpool added that some dealers prepare for being stopped by carrying a box of groceries for their grandmother. Others dress up as fast food delivery motorcyclists, even nurses, in order to avoid being questioned. It's genius. What have you got there? Just a fat rack of Coke for Jima. I mean, groceries. Fuck. Other dealers have decided to do away with personal vehicles and instead of using taxi drivers who are allowed to operate on lockdown to deliver packages to people's homes. It peeled back the onion on the drug market and it's just, you know, it's it's an intricate thing. It's not as surface level as we all like to make it out to be. One drug worker from Sussex said, quote, a minicab driver told me he would normally be ferrying kids around on school runs, but now he's staying busy by driving all the dealers around town. Can you blame him? <laughs> Can you blame Hey, devil's advocate for a second here, but hey, hey, the rideshare apps have already encroached on my industry. I've got to do what I've got to do. To stay in the game. Thank you very much. My two main clientele. School children. Drug dealers. Deal with it, Uber. Suck my dick, Dee Dee. It's a rideshare app here in Australia. I don't, I'm not saying just... I'm not saying there's a person called Dee It's another one. There's so many of them. You know, it's hard to keep up. It's just so hard to keep up, you know. Sue me. Don't sue me because there's probably a suable offence in there, but um, it kind of, you know, if you if you get the right, I don't, again, <laughs> I'm just saying, if you get the right minicab, where everyone's struggling is what I'm saying, okay? You know, everyone's having a difficult time. It is also hard to... Because, I mean, these people are exploiting people and exploiting the fact that they're addicted to a substance or whatever. So it's like, it's not good. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying we're all doing it tough. In a very roundabout way. <laughs> uh, social distancing is being adhered to by some street dealers. Cut! Yes! Yes! Come on! Fuck yeah, 2020! You know, it's, it warms my heart. It warms my heart. Street dealers are out here abiding by social distancing rules. People on bikes sticking baggies through people's letterboxes. Once uh, one drug dealer uh, had started using a system of dead drops, leaving drugs in bushes, garages, under bins, and, and where money could be picked up after the drugs were left. Contactless pickup for my drugs. I can't even go to Woolworths without nine fucking cunts standing shoulder to shoulder in an aisle. I just want guys, guys. I'm trying to I'm trying to very essentially get my essential Red Bull so I essentially stay awake at my essential job. And it's essential, you know? And it's like get the fuck out of my way. 
Again, I don't want to. I don't want to like. I don't want this to be like a Corona cast because it is everywhere and blah blah blah, and you're sick of it. I get it, but it's like, is it just me or are there more motherfuckers in the shops than ever before? And are they closer than ever before, or is it just like, is it that um, what's it called? Uh, the beta Meinhof phenomenon, like when you're aware of something, you start seeing it everywhere. Is it because I'm aware of the fact that we should be away from each other that I'm noticing more so than ever how close people are? I don't know. But drug dealers are out here doing contactless pickup. That's that's the kind of, you know, I wonder if they send out like an email in their MailChimp to a list of their clientele. Oh, is that? No, that's just my marketing brain taking over. Yeah, sorry. That's just, I don't know if, you know, if people know this, my day job is I do marketing, but probably a bad idea to have all of your clients on in like an email database, right? If you're a drug dealer, or is that just very, very 2020? Am I sort of providing a better drug deal service than other people? Sort of keeping people up to date with my weekly newsletter, you know, what's in stock, what's not in stock. Expected delivery times, (laughs) little maps, you know, for where you can sort of leave your money, where I can pick up, that type of stuff. See, part of me thinks that's a very good idea, but then, uh, but, you know, again, I'm fair, you know, I don't know anything about the drug game. There's probably a seasoned drug dealer listening to this right now thinking, what a fucking idiot. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. You'd never do that for this, you know, for these nine reasons, you know. And, hey, I apologize if that's the case. But I'm just saying, you know, hey, we seem to be reinventing, you know, a lot of systems here lately. You know, that's just one. Just throwing that out there. Let me know what you think. One with podcast at gmail.com. Just let me know what you think. Um... <laughs> And it's like MailChimp is free under 2,000, you know, people on your list. Anyway, um, uh, some sellers have di- have dispended with cash and are now using contactless payments to avoid infection. Dude, okay. Now I think they might be in on the MailChimp list because now they're using like Square. Dude, that's such a good idea. Is it a good idea? Oh, you probably don't want like a paper trail. But how much paper trail is there on PayPal anyway? Now I'm just sort of, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to understand the how this functions in my brain. If you're a drug dealer out there and you've sort of adapted your business model for this whole outbreak, let's do an interview. You know, I'll keep you anonymous. I'm just interested to know how it works. Um, that's great. They're not even doing cash. So they're buy- they're probably doing like Square. Square is cheap as shit, right? Square payments. Square's like the little um the little like contactless like chip chip and pin reader and it also works with your phone or whatever. You can get one for sixty bucks at fucking Officeworks, you know? No startup or startup fees. Accept every payment quickly, easily, and securely. Come on, Square, sponsor the podcast. Now sorry, I'm like I'm just like It is kind of blowing me away a little bit that, like, you know, drug dealers are adopting better health and safety practices than than some businesses, you know what I mean? And some people just out there in the world, we're like, ah, drug dealers, scum. And it's like, well, 
they're taking this social distancing thing a little bit more seriously than you are, Karen. Now get back! That's me pushing my trolley at her. Get back! <laughs> uh, oh, I've been asked to leave. Okay, good. Um, many young drug dealers who already hold a dim view of the heroin and crack users they sell to every day are now wearing masks and gloves in order to reduce the chance of infection. See what I mean? A very... It's like, a, you know, I just feel like the younger generation, they're going to change the planet. You know, they're very, they're very sort of like health and, um, you know, environmentally conscious. It's just, it's just nice to see, you know, it's like a ray of light or a silver lining on a bag of Coke, you know, uh, one drug worker, uh, said dealers in Hastings, East Sussex, in Hastings, East Sussex, have compiled a list of high-risk buyers who they demand non-cash payment from and who now receive their drugs thrown from a car window. That's a little less, you know, some people are doing like a contactless drop-off and pick-up style scenario. You don't just like cruise past. Hey, Barry! There's your shit. You know, it just seems like, what if you get the drugs all over the ground? You know, it's just a lot of risks. A lot of risks. Spat, spat all over my mic on that one. Um, some dealers are still uh, passing wraps from their mouths to crack and heroin users directly, heightening the danger of infection among a group of people already at high risk of becoming infected. Op- see, opposite ends of the scale. You know, some people are adopting really great practices. Some people... I don't even know if I'd be cool with receiving my drugs that way. I I wouldn't be okay with receiving anything from someone. Imagine, imagine any like, ah, yes, and welcome to Boost Juice. Okay, uh, a banana smoothie. Okay, well, John is just munching up your bananas right now, and then uh, he'll add some milk into his gob, and then he'll spit it into your mouth. That'll be that'll be eight dollars. Thank you. What are you doing, passing my fucking crack to me from your goddamn mouth? Just like throw it on the floor and like I'll like bend down and pretend I'm doing up my shoe or something. Jeez. <laughs> I don't want to tell you how to do your job. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, one of the most noticeable changes seen by police forces around the UK was that those higher up in the drug selling food chain have been pulling back young runners and instead moving and selling drugs themselves, both in inner cities and across country lines. Why? That seems really strange. Detectives think this because drug crew managers have realized that under lockdown, young people out in public are sticking out more than adults and are deemed too risky to transport large amounts of drugs. Makes sense. And I like that. I I always fall victim of reading something, questioning it, not understanding why that's the case. And if I just read the next sentence, just one more sentence, I'd have my answer. But I still don't do that. I still don't do that. Nevertheless, the cash cow that is the country line's business continues undeterred. Dealing crews have switched from trains to cars and are increasingly reliant on renting and cuckooing local people's homes. Cuckooing. Well, we're all going to learn what that means. 
Cuckooing is a form of crime termed by the police in which drug dealers take over the home of a vulnerable person in order to use it as a base uh, for country lines drug trafficking. Okay, that seems really bad. While some senior dealers are deciding to get their hands dirty, teenagers t- continue to be utilised. Since the government announced its lockdown on the 23rd of March, Norfolk police have been uprooting country lines gangs on all on an almost daily basis, including the arrest of 17-year-old girl from London at Norwich train station on suspicion of Class A supply and raids on nine addresses in northeast London linked to a country line's drug line being run from Hackney to Norwich. In London last week, the Metropolitan Police put out a missing persons appeal for a 14-year-old schoolboy from North London, but according to his friends on Snapchat, he was going country. What does that mean? Is that like a drug thing? Now I've got to look up what that means. Going country. Alan Jackson's Gone Country. Uh, we just got some lyrics here. This is obviously what they meant, so we don't need to look past this because this is the only result that Google has given me back. She's gone country. Look at them boots. She's gone country. Back to her roots. She's gone country. A new kind of suit. She's gone country. Here she comes. Alan, that didn't fucking rhyme on the last one. You filled me with rage. You filled me with rhyme rage. Okay, thank you. All right, we don't know what that is, and now we're pissed. So, uh, as the economy slows, Britain's country lines crews are re-upping as normal. What the fuck are... Sorry, county lines crews. This fucking idiot over here. Still don't know what that means. Um, Last week, police in Shropshire used a road stinger in a car chase to stop a BMW suspected of transporting drugs from Birmingham into Telford. Then there's just a bunch of stuff in here about uh, people supplying drugs across county lines. You know, you've just got your, your classic your classic uh, Birmingham to Telford deals, your, you know, um, crack for sale in Torquay, um, you know, all that, cl- that classic stuff that you'd expect. Um, as for the customers... Police forces around the UK conclude that so far there is no shortage of heroin or crack. In Bath, for example, heroin suppliers say they have enough stock to keep them in business until June. But it's not quite business as usual because as with legitimate products online and in supermarkets, prices have gone up and all the specials have vanished. Most police forces, as well as drug users themselves, report either increases in price of street-level bags of crack and heroin or reductions in deal sizes. In most parts of the country, dealers have now stopped their three-for-two deals. Thanks a lot, COVID! Fucking, you know, it, I'm just... It's, it's the little things like that that really piss me off. You know? No more three-for-two deals. That is a crime in more ways than one. Meaning users are now typically offered three wraps of crack or cocaine for $25 or $30 instead of three for 20. Oh, you hate to see it. You you hate to see it, you know. In Brighton, the price of a bag of heroin has doubled. Although this steep price has not been replicated in most parts of the UK. Fucking... You know, my heart goes out to all the Brighton 
heroin users. Um, this is likely because at wholesale level, the price of a kilo of both cocaine and heroin has gone up. In his analysis into the potential impacts on the pandemic on county lines networks, former National Crime Agency drug chief Tony Saggers. Man, what a title. Tony, what a title. Former National Crime Agency drug chief estimated that since the outbreak, the price of a kilo of cocaine for UK bulk buyers has risen from £35,000 to £40,000. A kilo of heroin has gone up from £20,000 to £25,000. Let's get some Australian numbers in here. A kilo of cocaine has gone from $60,000 to $80,000, and a kilo of heroin has gone from $40,000 to $50,000. I mean, you know, how do you, you know, that no wonder you got to raise your prices. Yet street dealers know they cannot push prices too high because lockdown is strangling the means by which many of the most prolific buyers of crack and heroin fund their habits. Some drug workers said drug users have become so desperate for drugs and cash that they've started robbing drug dealers. Jesus, it's dangerous to be a drug dealer right now. Again, you hate to see it, you know, you know, shouldn't, you know... People have the right to go to their jobs and, you know, not be attacked, you know. Um, It's sickening to see that. So, the unfurling impacts of COVID-19 on the local and global drug trade from homeless heroin users in Hull to underground Chinese labs and Mexican cartels is the drug story of 2020 within Britain's highly addictive, highly profitable heroin and crack trade. Lives will be changed. The pandemic will prove the final straw for some users and dealers who will decide it's one risk too far and get out of the game. Others could find themselves propelled into this world off the back of these strange and uncertain times. What is for certain, as we're all finding out, is that the best way to survive is to adapt. And when the stakes are as high as they are in the street drug trade, people will try anything. You know, just a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of adaption happening in the drug trade right now, you know, and really a great time for a lot of um, young guns to shine, I feel, you know, with providing those sort of, um, you know, additional services, you know, going above and beyond uh, for your customers. And, um, you know, really, you're just going to see word of mouth for, for those select few is just going to skyrocket. And uh, you're going to see a lot of, a lot of people really um, start to shine in these times. So it's, you know, it's not all bad which is good. And, uh, you know, it feels so wrong to even be like joking about stuff like that just because of like how shitty times are. But, you know, we came here, we, we come here to get away from that stuff, even though this episode was entirely all about it. Um, but that is going to do it for this episode. If you are a Patreon supporter, stay tuned for your Marvel style post credits bonus question this one is about a woman named amanda liberty who um let's just say she fucking loves chandeliers and she's in a relationship with a chandelier um so again if you're a patreon supporter stick around you know if you want to become a patreon supporter you can head over to patreon.com forward slash one weird podcast. You can check out the tiers. You can get 
episodes early. You can get, um, you know, the the bonus content, the extended cut of the audio versions of the podcast. You can get the extended cut of the video version of the podcast. Um, but like I said last week, now the videos they're available to everyone uh, on the YouTube channel. You have to be like a certain size on YouTube before like they let you have the slash and then your name. So just search. Uh, weird but wonderful podcast on youtube you'll be able to find it eventually um all the you know the links and stuff that they'll all be on the facebook twitter and instagram which is at one weird podcast go follow along slap a follow on the social media to stay up to date and i was just thinking then that like i'm probably going to be doing less on facebook just because like eh, fuck facebook (laughs) weird stance not you know it's just like who gives a shit about facebook i don't know if that's the right move i don't really care to be honest um i like instagram you know uh, and that's where i sort of do the the majority of my social media ring hey let me know you know jump on any one of the social media platforms or email me one weird podcast at gmail.com let me know what social media platform you like using the most for me personally uh it's instagram you can find my personal instagram at my pixel persona uh come chat come hang uh i'm also on i've i'm on okay so i'm on tiktok now as well but i'm not making tiktoks i just like watching tiktoks on there and there have been there have now been two people who listen to the podcast that um are on tiktok and you got i know you guys have been DMing me on there, like sharing videos with me. I just want to say that I'm not ignoring your DMs. I just don't want to give TikTok my mobile phone number so that I can use the DM function. It's weird that a social media platform would be like, yeah, come use our platform. Come right ahead, make an account and do everything. But if you want to DM people, give me a phone number. And I'm just like, hey, no. So I'm not ignoring you. I am seeing them. I am watching uh, the posts that you send me. I very much appreciate that you're sending me um, these posts and stuff. I do watch all of them. I just wanted to let you know that I'm not ignoring you. It's a weird thing. This this part of the podcast is for two people. Uh, but I just wanted to let you know that. Um, but yeah, Patreon, you know, go check it out. Check out the tiers. See if there's something you're into. Maybe consider subscribing and um if you are a a patreon subscriber don't forget about the special rss feed link that you can add to your podcast app and it will just pipe the you know the the bonus content episode straight into your podcast platform of choice um the goal this week leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts leave a five-star review leave a review screenshot it send it to me and i'm gonna pick one's just at random and i'll send you something fuck it i'll send you something we'll do something fun um i've put myself on the spot and really given myself extra work to do now but fuck it we'll do something um yeah that that's gonna do it this has been episode 61 come back for episode 62 patreon people stay around everyone else see you next time peace